Noah Bowick and Anthony Bill. And welcome back into the Couch Scouts podcast, letting you stay on the couch while we scout the latest news, scores, and affairs in the world of sports, keeping you informed and up to date with interactive listening segments. My name is Noah, and I'm here with my co-host, Anthony Bills. And this is the Couch Scout Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at the Couch Scouts Pod and uh, send us an email at the Couch Scouts Pod at gmail.com. Well, you can follow me at KOTS Fantasy on Twitter and going to welcome in my co host on the pod and co worker on the job, Anthony Bills. Anthony, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, man. Ready to get back into this. Uh, another week. Looking forward to it. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Anthony D Bills and on Twitter at dat underscore dude underscore AB. Um, so yeah, there's our social media. Go give us a follow. You know, give us some comments, whatever. And uh, we're gonna jump jump into this first episode. Third down and ten. Breeze from the gun takes the snap. Throws to the near side. Hit early. Where's the flag? Early hit on time and they shot Payton is all the way down at the ten. Unbelievable no call. Wow, not a flag to be found. That could have and maybe should have been pass interference, and if so, it's effectively game over. Wow. No flag. What are you talking about, Willis? Are you kidding me? What in the world were the refs thinking? I don't know, man. It's, it was very, very bland. I think there was like three or four different calls that could have been made on that. You know, whether it's illegal contact, helmet to helmet, pass interference. I, I don't even know. Um... That's that's a tough one to swallow for Saints fans and for two straight years. The Minis- the Minnesota Miracle last year, you know, and this year against the Rams. But yeah, it's tough. I I've had I had a tough time with this just because you you see that and that set the Saints up. It would have been a first and goal and they would have just been able to run the clock out and kick the field goal. There's no guarantees of making the field goal. There's right. no guarantees that the Saints don't turn the ball over. Yeah. But a play like that, it's so tough because it's such a big game. Like a regular season game, you can get over it a lot quicker. But man, for the Super Bowl, right? So difficult. I don't know. You know what? What are your? Yeah, of course. I think everyone knows the Rams ended up winning that game, twenty six, twenty three. But ultimately, you know, you fight for an entire season. Sean Payton, one of the the best coaches in the league, he's playing with a a veteran quarterback who's. Is he forty up in his? He's thirty nine. Thirty nine, yeah. Forty, yeah. And on his last leg. Yeah, you know, everyone's thinking, okay, Breeze gets to the Super Bowl, possibly wins it, and you know, this is his retirement party. So, for them to get robbed two straight years in a row with one of the best teams, it it's unacceptable, really, mm-hmm. by the NFL that somehow a game could come down to a to a penalty and there be no uh, yeah. there be no conclusion, you know. Yeah. And I totally get it. Like it's a part of the game. I think, in my opinion, you have to calculate in the human factor. If you're going to have referees in the game, then you're going to have them make errors, just like the athletes make errors. Um, but the fact that there hasn't been anything coming out from the NFL or even from Roger Goodell, yeah. like Benjamin Watson, the Saints' 
tight end called him out yesterday saying like we're waiting we're here we haven't heard anything from you like you have to do something to at least address it and you know Goodell hasn't said anything so what are your what are your thoughts on that of of him of the NFL not saying like hey we made a mistake and this is what we'll do going forward but they really have just said it's part of the game yeah I just own up to it you know I I know the NBA does something and it's really annoying but at least they have clarity is the two minute like the report after the game like the final two minutes and they come out all the time and say, this should have been called foul, this should have been called a foul. Like, I remember the playoff game last year um, when LeBron hit the three to, get, to beat the Pacers. Right. They said the play before that, LeBron should have been called for a goaltending after the game. They right. said that. Right. I was like, yeah, he should have been. But, you know, so stuff like that happens. I think they just need to come out and say, look, it was a missed penalty. You know, I, I don't know what they can do about it, obviously, because I know that one rule, but that's just ridiculous. You don't replay the game, Yeah. you know, because of one play. Yeah. Um, it's it's tough because, like you said, it's human human element, too, and there's calls that are missed throughout the entire game, and it just sucks that this one is so blatant. But there's obviously, there's a bunch of them, like Jared Goff was face-masked on the drive the Rams had before this, too, and they didn't call it. And that sure. would have given the Rams a first and goal, you know? Yeah. And who knows, they probably would have scored a touchdown instead of a field goal. So it, it goes back and forth. So, like, I understand the Saints' frustration. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm all for it. If I'm a Rams fan, I'm like, hey, you guys, they missed calls on us, too. But when even, I believe the Rams, was it Coleman, Roby Coleman, or yeah. whoever it was, I believe afterwards he even said, like, oh, yeah, I was beat, so I was just going to try to stop him any way I could. Like, exactly. he admitted that he tried to pass interfere on purpose and yeah. just play for the next down. Yeah. And they didn't call it. So my thing is, I understand missed calls, but if we can review touchdowns, fumbles, turnovers, why can't we review a call like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we don't want to they, – they initially say with – with reviewing plays like calls, fumbles, touchdowns like that, they're taking it out of the ref's hands because they know it's too difficult to make that. So why can't they do that with a pass interference call? You know, maybe like in the last five minutes of a game, you can review these kind of calls or the last yeah, two minutes. That's what I'm thinking. That's what they need to do, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. tough. And I think by and large, you look at the stats, like a lot of people said, well, this is this is what the NFL wanted. They just wanted the Rams to get in because of Sean McVay and Jared Goff and the way they've built the system. But, yeah. you know, you look at the penalties. The Saints were penalized a total of three times for 20 yards. Mm-hmm. The Rams penalized seven times for 64 yards. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a matter of, like, the refs were right. totally against yeah. the Saints or totally, you know, in favor of the Rams. It just, yes. that's the way that it played out. And, mm-hmm. and even in overtime, this, you know, the Saints got the ball first. They had the chance to go down the yeah, field. Exactly. and um Drew Brees threw the interception, and the Rams took advantage of it and went the other way. Yeah. So, you know, it sucks that that's the way that it ended, but agree, it happens. Yeah, it should have never been in overtime, but you live on to play the next down. Get over it. Like, get over it. Yeah. You had the ball. You won the toss. That's difficult. Trust me. I bet Patrick Mahomes bet they won the toss Yeah. in the Chiefs game. Yeah. You won the toss, and Brees made one of the most, like, the dumbest decision. Just, he's getting hit. Just throws the ball up for grabs for no reason. Yeah. And it's picked off. Yeah. And they wanted to pout and continue to blame the refs. Nobody's even talking about the fact that Breeze threw that interception. Yeah. And me being a Romo and Cowboys fan, if that was Romo, people would be destroying Romo all week until next year. Just saying. Breeze has done this quite a few times. I love Breeze, but he has made plenty of mistakes like this in the past. Yeah. 
I think people still are destroying Romo for some interceptions. They still they are. <laughs> he, he's making up for it in the announcing game, though. Yeah, I'm so excited to have him announce in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's move on to the AFC Championship recap. Um, the, the Patriots, once again, are <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady yeah. uh, leads the Patriots to a 37-31 victory in overtime. Uh, Anthony, what did you see in that game, and uh, what are your predictions going forward? Brady is just the ultimate, like, he's the ultimate, like, bluff, like a poker player. Like, all year he makes you think, I'm getting old, I'm done. Yeah. And then it gets to the playoffs, and he's like, just kidding. So Look true. at this. And he did it again. And I remember even in, in overtime, it's like the first the first set of plays, they have third and nine. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, he's either going to Edelman or Gronk. Boom. There's Gronk. Yeah. Third and ten, a couple plays later, Edelman or Gronk, boom, there's Edelman, you know? And then again on third and ten, he hits Gronk down the sideline. I was like, this is, it's just, he's amazing. And it's it's the prep that he puts in, and he still has the arm talent, clearly, because some of those throws, he like the third and nine or third and ten, I forget which one, but it was the throw to Gronk. I think it was on like a little quick post or a slant. And yeah. he put it right on the money with like zip on it, and yeah. it was like, I have no idea. I didn't even think Gronk was going to catch it. But he, even Gronk bluffed me. Like, if you listen to last week's episode, I was like, I don't think he's going to be able to play in the cold anymore. Like, his body's just kind of wearing down. And yeah. Gronk looked like the old Gronk over the weekend. Yeah. So even he was like... Yeah. And they do... But, the Patriots do such a good job of protecting Tom Brady. I think he went... He got knocked down once or... Yeah. yeah. And then Three got hurries and touched one time. Yeah. And... Like, that's the reason why he keeps doing what he does and why he's been able yeah. to play so long because they've invested so much into protecting the quarterback and he yeah. knows if I get the ball out quickly, I'm gonna I can keep leading this yeah. team. Yeah, it's interesting. I heard um, Sean Merriman, who used to play for the Chargers, I yeah. think I think he was on Cowherd and he was talking about that, about not touching Brady at all and he's like, Yeah, look, for me at some point I would have jumped off sides and just hit him. He's like, not malicious, not trying to hurt him, but let him know, like, look, I'll be here. I'm yeah. coming. Because yeah. that'll at least throw his timing off. And I was like, you know, that's a good point. Like, if I'm playing defense, a chief, and I'm one of the pass rushers, I'm not getting to him at all. At some point, I'm going to at least try and jump the snap or just jump off sides and go out, go back there and just put a little bit of pressure on him, a little yeah. bit of heat. Especially Brady being old in the cold, at least give him a little bit of something. touch, let his body feel it. You know, yeah. he just stood back there like a seven on seven and just tore him apart. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, Patriots win thirty seven thirty one in overtime. Uh, but really, you know, looking at the stats, the game wasn't that close until the second half when Mahomes, he, I think, he threw three touchdowns. And led the comeback. The the Patriots mm-hmm. defense just kind of crumbled, and you saw uh, the Chief Chiefs awesome offense really come to life. But yeah. uh, just looking at some of these stats in the first quarter alone, the Patriots outgained <laughs> the Chiefs 119 to negative 11 yards, and yeah. that's it's almost the exact same way that they started the game uh, earlier this Back season, in, yeah. and where Mahomes he for the first time was really struggling, had a rough first half and then came back mm-hmm. and scored a whole bunch of points in the second half. So I think for Mahomes going forward, it's learning how to get out to that initial start. Mm-hmm. And really, like that's what Brady does in these yeah. in these playoff games is they don't miss a beat. He gets yeah. the third and nines, he gets the long passes. He's not gonna miss he's not gonna miss those passes. So um, just a few more stats for you guys. Time of possession, Patriots 
uh, win that, holding the ball for 43 minutes to the Chiefs' 20 minutes. So the Chiefs had the ball really total for only about a quarter and five minutes. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it was the Patriots' run game. Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead running all over the Chiefs uh, and, yeah. just ma- and keeping Mahomes in the offense um, off the field. And then total total offense, it was 524 yards from the Patriots to 290 yards of the Chiefs. So, like, that alone, oh, man. I don't know how the game got so close, but yeah. the Patriots really dominated on all, on all sides of the ball. So, is there any stats in there, Anthony, that stand out to you that you want to touch on? Yeah, the... <laughs> It goes back to time of possession. The Patriots ran 94 plays, and the Chiefs ran 47. Wow. So I'm yeah. like, are you kidding me? Wow. Like, the Chiefs actually averaged more yards per play. Yeah. You know? It's just I, the Patriots' run game is what really changed it. It was the run game because they ran for 176 yards, and the Chiefs ran for 41. Yeah. And that's what kept them on the field. 48 rushing attempts by the Patriots. Yeah. So they, they didn't run the ball like that great. They only averaged 3.7 yards a carry. Yeah. But they just stuck to it, yeah. you know. They stuck to it and picked their spots for Brady to to you know pick them apart. And two turnovers for the Patriots, zero for the Chiefs. I if you'd have told me that Mahomes, you know, almost put up three hundred yards passing with three touchdowns, zero turnovers, and Brady had two interceptions, I probably think the Chiefs won that game pretty easily. Yeah, I would agree with you. I I I, I mean, I thought the Chiefs were going to win anyway, and. The fact that obviously Brady had two interceptions and a third one that was called back that would have ended the game. True. That offsides, but I'm done doubting Brady. Every year I say, yeah, I'm done picking against Brady, but then every year I pick against him again, yeah. and he keeps doing it. So I'm like, what? He's just he's not. I don't know. I guess he's not a human being. Yeah. But yeah, and one more stat too that stands out to me is the the total rushing yards that. The Chiefs only attempt. They only rushed 12 times for 40 yards, and uh, the Patriots had 176 rushing yards on 48, 48 attempts. So yeah. they just dominated on the ground. They got the lead and then just pounded it down the yep. middle, you know, down the Chiefs' throat. And um, yeah, and it was crazy because they did it with like Sonny Michelle. I think had 100 yards in the first half again. Yeah, and then he didn't even play in the second half really. Yeah, they went to Rex Burkhead. Yeah, I'm like what. Just out of nowhere. Perfect. Yeah, I, I still don't understand Belichick, but he knows what he's doing, clearly. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know. He's It's like Sonny Michelle's our first half running back, and Rex Burkhead and James White will do the second half. But it's interesting to see in the Super Bowl if Sonny Michelle will keep this tear on because this guy is on fire. Yeah, yeah, definitely I would say the, the biggest uh, X factor for the Patriots at this point. He's just destroyed the Chargers, now destroyed the Chiefs, and... If he can keep this up against the Rams, it's gonna be it's gonna be another yeah. good Super Bowl for the Patriots. Um, yeah, so let's just one more thing to touch on is both games went into overtime. It was the first time in NFL history that uh, <laughs> two of the N- NFC and AFC championship games went into overtime, uh, and both kind of ended controversial. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The penalty in yeah. uh, the NFC championship, and then with the AFC championship, you had. Uh, Brady, he gets the ball first, goes all the way down and scores, and people are complaining. Mahomes never even got to see the field in overtime, and yeah. and this has happened throughout the playoffs. You know, it happened a couple year with a couple years with Rodgers. It happened with Peyton Manning, where just because of the overtime rules, the other team went down and scored, and maybe yeah. the better quarterback, you could say, uh, or the better offense at least, didn't get to see the field. So yeah, 
what do you have to say about that? Is there any, you know, a lot of people are calling for overtime rule changes. Is there any rules that you personally would implement or that ones that people have suggested that you want to touch on? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I like, I, I know they they can't go to the college rule because the ball at the 35, especially in the NFL, that's field goal range for everybody. Yeah. So it could just turn into a field goal contest or it could turn into a seven, eight overtime game and, the NFL doesn't want that. Right. They don't that player safety, all that. Yep. So not that. I've heard play fifteen minutes, like just a whole quarter, which is tough. But I mean it might be entertaining because the Patriots would score, it'd be thirty eight thirty one, Chiefs get the ball. You know, so that could go any way. It could go into Chiefs get stopped, Patriots score again, they're up by fourteen or something. Or it could go into after another fifteen minutes we're still tied. And then what? So I I, I agree with the rule from the standpoint of like just score and get the game over with, sure. but I feel like both teams should get a chance. Yeah. So I, I know it used to be just kick a field goal, and if you kick a field goal, it's over. Yeah. But now with it being if you score a touchdown, then the game's over. But I feel like if you – the other team should get a chance. It's just not – it's not fair to play 60 minutes of football. You're tied, and you are obviously up with this team – and then they get a chance and you don't. Like, that's, like, are you serious? Yeah. There's no way that should happen. Um, just like in baseball, if it goes extra innings and a team scores on the top of the 10th, the bottom of the 10th still gets a chance. It's yeah. not like, well, you guys are done. You yeah. lost. They still get a chance. It's and it's it's just fair game. Yeah. I, so I, yeah. Especially in a game against the Patriots. Like, it's not because the Patriots, but it's because Tom Brady, I guarantee you, I don't think there was one Chiefs fan in the stadium that were like, well, we're, we'll stop them. We'll get the ball back. I guarantee right. you even they were like, crap, this game's over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I tip my hat to Andy Reid, you know, the Chiefs coach, because afterwards he didn't complain. He was like, you know what? We have these meetings. I sit in on these meetings. This is the overtime rule. I agree with it. Like, yeah. we should have got to stop. Yeah. I'm like, I tip your hat. But you know, they're Inside, still – you dying. want the ball. Yeah. You want the ball. And then – but it's tough to argue because then the Saints, they got the ball, and the Rams' defense got to stop. Exactly. And they did what they were supposed to do and yep. then hit this amazing 57-yard field goal. So I see both sides of it, but I think both teams should get a chance. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I think as a fan, you love it when yeah. your team goes all the way down the field and scores <laughs> on the first try. The other yeah. team doesn't get the ball back. But, yeah, one thing you touched on is the NFL doesn't want to prolong these games. You know, yeah. they, they are long as it is, and the NFL has tried to cut down on how long they are. The last thing they want is teams lining up at the 35-yard line and just prolific offenses scoring one after another. So, you know, for me personally, I'd, I would like to see the coaches just participate in a punt pass and <laughs> kick competition. Um, you know, Andy, Andy Reid won oh, that when he was a little gosh. kid. So him versus Bill Belichick. That would be pretty entertaining to <laughs> see who can get the ball furthest and yeah. just give it to them. So yeah. would really, really make you uh, question some of your head coaching hirings, I think. Yeah. That's, Sean McVay would probably win that one for sure. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, we are going to move on to our next segment. But before that, stay tuned for our Super Bowl episode that is going to be dropping this Friday, February 1st. Uh, we're just going to dedicate a whole episode to the Super Bowl with predictions uh, with some picks and, and some maybe bets between one another. But uh, we would love to hear what you guys are predicting for the Super Bowl. Who are you rooting for? Who you think is going to win? 
uh, and who do you think is going to make the MVP. So send us an email at thecouchscoutspod at gmail.com or drop a comment on our Instagram and uh, let's get a conversation going and get ready for the Super Bowl. So moving on to our next segment, we're talking about the MLB Hall of Fame. Anthony, this is kind of your forte. You love the MLB and uh, some interesting picks for for this year and some people that were left out. So why don't you uh, go through the list of the players that were selected and then maybe highlight a few people that, that didn't get in. Yeah, so the first one, and I think it's amazing. Um, it's surprising to me that he's the first ever unanimous pick. Um, so for those of you that don't know what unanimous pick would mean is literally every single voter in the Hall of Fame voted for this guy. Like he got a 100% of votes, and that's never happened in Major League Baseball. And it's Mariano Rivera, you know, the closer for the Yankees. And it's amazing because he is a closer because – there's a, there's kind of, not a black eye, but there's kind of like a little bit of, I don't know how to explain it, but when it comes to closers and designated hitters, and just relief pitchers in general, and designated hitters in baseball, a lot of people look at them as they're not like full-time baseball players, right. and they don't do everything. Right. So they kind of are put to the side of when it comes to like Hall of Fame and being legends. But Mariano Rivera, I completely agree. I'm... I'm still surprised he's the first ever unanimous, but I completely get it, and I agree. Like this guy, this dude is amazing. How how much dominance he had for the Yankees for so long, and he just continued to get better and better each year. Uh, so Mariano Rivera is the uh, first ever unanimous pick. Um, Roy Holiday gets in. Um, you know, big time Cy Young winner with the uh, Blue Jays and the Phillies. Right. Uh, Edgar Martinez, uh, a designated hitter. You know, a lot of people, like I just said about designated hitters, um, but Edgar Martinez has been on the ballot for a few years, I believe, and he finally gets in. You know, he is one of the best hitters ever. You know, he was in this crazy lineup with the Mariners that had Griffey, that had Alex Rodriguez. Uh, They were dangerous, and Edgar Martinez was, like, in the middle of that. And then uh, Mike Mussina, you know, he pitched. This guy pitched in the American League East. I didn't know this. He pitched in the AL East his entire career. Wow. For the Yankees and Orioles. Um, crazy. And I saw a clip. Uh, it said this is just how amazing Mike Mussina's, like, drive and his uh, competitiveness was. Uh, he was pitching for the Yankees back in, I think, the late 2000s, mid-2000s. And Joe Torre, the manager for the Yankees, was coming to take him out of the game. And he looked at him and was like, no, right. stay in there. Like, yeah. I'm not coming out. And because he wanted to finish, uh, but yeah, those are the Hall of Fame picks this year. I wish they would let more than four in because there's so many amazing players. You know, yeah. once again, I think at some point, people like Pete Rose and Barry Bonds. Like you know, I get I get the Pete Rose thing because he did kind of you know the whole cheating with yeah. betting and all kinda that. Shamed the MLB, but he's still the best hitter ever. Like one of the best hitters ever, four thousand plus hits. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to touch that. Yeah, you know. And Barry Bonds, though. Um, Barry Bonds. I remember. I don't care if he did this. I don't care about the steroids. Like the steroid era with McGuire, Bonds, and Sosa, it made baseball fun again. I, I, it. Not that it wasn't fun, but it made a lot more people tune into the game. Yeah. That won that won it because these guys are hitting 60, 70 home runs, and. I don't care what anybody says, steroids or not. There's plenty. Of, you know, when you look at when players are suspended now, like in baseball from steroids, it's no names. Yeah. It's people in the minor leagues. Yeah. 
So that should tell you how great you still have to be, even with steroids, to hit the ball, especially right. like Barry Bonds did. Yeah. So I think at some point they've got to let him in. Like I understand it, and baseball is all this old school and whatever. I get it, but this there's no doubt. You can't deny this man's greatness and how great he was as a hitter. But yeah. What about what would you say about Kurt Schilling? You know, he was the uh, he was the fifth vote getter. Uh, and then Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and Barry Walker beneath him. But do you think that he is going to get in next year? Uh, Kurt Schilling? Yeah. I I don't think next year. Some with Kurt Schilling, he's an amazing pitcher, but Kurt Schilling was more of those, like, he was more like a big moments type pitcher. Right. You know, yeah, like the, the blood of Sog. Yeah. He, he was always, and he was, he was really never the ace of a team either. He was behind Pedro in Boston. Right. You know, he was 1-2 there. He was behind Randy Johnson in Arizona. So Kurt Schilling is great. He's a big-time pitcher, and I think he gets in, but I just think there's always three or four guys that should be ahead of him in every class. So he'll get in at some point. But, yeah, Kurt Schilling to me was just more of a, you know, he gets in. Um, he His name was built on big moments, which that's big-time too, obviously. You know, there's some players like that. Um, and Roger Clemens is another one. I know the steroid stuff. It might be a different, a little different with pitchers. You know, because yep. velocity and stuff like that and stamina. Um, so it's a little different because hitting is so much more difficult than pitching. So, right. But I still – Roger Clemens is one of the best of all time. Um, and I know even Alex Rodriguez was like, oh, I need Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds to get in. That will help my case. And I'm like, that's kind of – that's really like, I don't know, that's kind of – Begging, it's kind of weird. I don't know. I was, I saw that and I was like, oh, dude, geez, man, like, wouldn't you want to get in before them? Like, I really hope they get in because that'll help my case. Like, yeah. you're like, dude, everybody knows. Like, he just keeps playing this poor me act. It's funny, yeah. but I don't know. That's, the, but that's my thoughts on Kurt Schilling. Um, yeah, I, I'm one of my guys, Omar Vizquel. This dude still not getting on, but that's, I get it. That's fine. I know at some point he will. You yeah. know, one of the best shortstops ever, especially defensively. But yeah. I don't know. This is just his. This was just his second year yeah. of eligibility. So. Yeah, but he's still way down on the list. Yeah. So. Yeah, but that's that's it. I can't I can't wait for baseball to start back up though. You know, I was excited to talk about a little bit of this, but yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts from you? Um, not really. No. 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 Um, I'm. I. You know, Mariano. I. This is his first year on the ballot, and he got in as the unanimous vote getter so I think that just mm-hmm. shows you how dominant he actually was as a closer I remember growing up watching him with the Yankees and any time in the playoffs that yeah. the Yankees had a lead and he came in you you automatically knew that he was going to shut it down and I remember yeah. you know watching him win the World Series a few times and just being as as dominant as any closer that we've seen in the game so you know, props to him. Congrats. I was watching a video of him, you know, with his family getting the call. Uh, and that, that to me is just amazing to, um, for the MLB to recognize a player and say, Hey, you, we all selected you and you're getting in. And that just means so much for, for their legacy, um, to say, Hey, I played a game and I was this good that, you know, I'll be one of the, the greatest to ever play the game and be remembered forever. So yeah. Yeah. Congrats to him. Yeah. There's, oh, there's another person on this list. It's way down there. He didn't even make, he isn't even make. I think top ten. Manny Ramirez. Yeah. What do you think about him? Because I, I, it's kind of like the Barry Bonds thing. 
Yeah. Manny Ramirez is one of the best ever hitters. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that, you know, I know his stats are unbelievable. He has, and I think that's what I miss is when I think of Manny, I think of Manny being Manny and yeah, and kind of towards the end of his career where he kind of he didn't. It wasn't this slow decline. It was like at points of his career, he just kind of fell off the cliff yeah. and and had some really bad moments and bad seasons, <laughs> and and that's what I remember. Yeah. So. You had to look at the stats of you know his years in Boston where he was just putting up huge numbers mm-hmm. and um, and even when he was in LA he had some good seasons there as well but yeah um, yeah I think I honestly think it'll be a while before yeah. he gets in um, just based on how his career played out yeah in, in the long run he kind of yeah. I would say he kind of hurt his cause if he would have retired yeah. sooner I think he would be higher up on the list yeah it's kind of like Carmelo. Yeah. Like, everybody remembers, and now everybody's like, oh, man, what's, yeah. what's wrong with Carmelo? Like, yeah. he should just retire. Yeah. Let's just get out of here. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. I was just wondering about Manny, because he's one of my favorites ever. He was f- super fun to watch. Yeah. So, all right, that's it for the uh, MLB segment, you know. We'll have a lot more MLB once the MLB season gets underway and the spring training starts in about a month, pitchers and catchers and all that. So, that'll be fun, but... We're going to move on to our next segment. We're going to get into some college basketball. Uh, so, Noah, why don't you, uh, don't you get us off with that? Awesome. Yeah, so college basketball is in full swing, and kind of the halfway point of the season is coming up. Uh, all the teams are in conference play, and a new top five kind of shifted up this week with um, yeah. Tennessee taking over Duke. So the top five right now is one, Tennessee. Number two is Duke. Number three, Virginia. Number four, Gonzaga. And number five, dare we say it, Michigan, Michigan Wolverines. Um, yeah, so of those five, which ones, Anthony, are you like, yes, they are a contender for the national championship, or is there one in there that you're still, eh, I'm not sure. I, oh, man. I think Duke is for sure. I think they're the heavy favorite for oh, me. No question. Yeah. Um, I still don't know about Virginia because every year they're up here. Right. And they lost to a 16 seed in the tournament last year. So yeah. I'm like, you know, they never prove anybody in the tournament. They yeah. get to the tournament and they lose really early every year. Yeah. Um, Michigan surprises me. I think they're legit. I think they're a title contender. I was, I'm, su- I'm just surprised at how good they are. Yeah. You know, I knew they were, they're always good. They're always legit. But usually they're like this middle of the top 25 rankings, and then they get hot and make this crazy run in the tournament. Yeah. But this year they're actually a target. You know, they're up there near the top. Yeah. Um, your boys got them last week. Yeah. Shocked you. First loss yeah. of the season for them. Yeah, they're 18-1. and one. Um, And right after that, they almost lost to Northwestern. They had to win on a buzzer beater. Um, so it looks like they might be taking some strides back a little bit. But um, Tennessee is definitely obviously another shock. But not fully surprised because Rick Barnes was a great coach at Texas. You know, he led them to a lot of big-time years and seasons. Um, But, yeah, I would say Tennessee, Duke, Gonzaga, Michigan, I could all see in the Final Four. Um, I don't think it'll work like that, obviously. Uh, But Virginia, I just don't see it. I know they gave Duke a run for their money at Cameron last week. But Duke was missing uh, Trey Jones, the brother, you know, the point guard. And he kind of runs the show for Zion and RJ and Cam. Uh, But – yeah, that's that's my thoughts on the top five. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think I would have to agree with you on most of those. I, for me, my pick is actually going to be Michigan. I don't think, I don't think they are a title contender. I think mm. 
just the past two, I would say the past two weeks, just kind of watching them. It seems like they are going through stretches where they're just kind of lulling out and um, they're not really sure who they're going to with scoring, if it's going to be Jordan Poole mm-hmm. uh, or not. So I think Gonzaga is definitely in there. You know, when they beat Duke, I think they showed how dominant they're going to be once the, t- the tournament comes and they have the experience uh, from last year. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that Virginia is that good this year. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the way that they played Duke, even though they were down a man, but at Cameron Indoor, I think, uh, I think Duke, I think Virginia is going to be a contender finally coming uh, into the, the tournament in March and Tennessee as well. Like, one of my favorite schools growing up was Tennessee when Bruce Pearl was coaching them. Um, but, yeah, I think they have a, a great shot with Rick Barnes. They have a great team. And in the SEC, it's going to be them in Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, Michigan's going to be my pick. And I think Michigan will still make it far in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't see them in the uh, yeah in the the final four. So, yeah. how about some some early surprises that you've seen maybe in the top twenty five or just teams that aren't even in the top five that maybe you thought would be? Um, I think yeah, you have a couple teams written down here, and, and I would I'd agree like Marquette and Virginia Tech. Um, I don't know much about them. I haven't seen much about them, but seeing these records, I'm like, dang, that's that's legit. Especially Virginia Tech being an ACC, right? You know, um, and they're up there. <clears throat> top 10 I think or top top 12 maybe yeah you know area um and then I mean Michigan State they don't they seem Michigan State doesn't really I mean they have Cassius Winston but other than that they don't have like they usually every year Michigan State has like a superstar like somebody that you see like oh he's gonna go to the NBA and be a good player and they don't really have that this year right outside of that so I'm surprised that they're you know, undefeated in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is tough. Right. And they're still number one. Michigan State, for once, they're not, like, up in this top five and everybody's a target. They're kind of, like, sleeping. Like, they're under the radar. Yeah. And just they keep beating people, knocking teams off. And I could see it very soon seeing Michigan State be up there in the top five, you know. And, exactly. And making a run for it. So, and it's not a surprise with Tom Izzo. This dude's one of the best coaches ever. Yeah. He's amazing. And Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, Michigan State, a surprise, but really not a surprise. And I think this is when Michigan State is the most dangerous, is when they have these teams where, you you know, they have Cassius Winston, but there's not a lot of players that you're like, oh, he's going to be a top, you know, five, top ten draft pick. But Tom Izzo somehow always finds a way to coach these teams into the tournament and they go deep. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and, and even make a run again for a Final Four. Yeah. You never know with Tom Izzo. So. Yeah. What about, I want to touch one top 10 team. I don't know if you've watched much on them. How about Nevada? Yeah. Number seven, they're 18 and one. Yeah. And they made a run last year, I think, to the Elite Eight. Yep. They almost made the Final Four. Yeah. They have those twin brothers. And yeah. They are freaks. Yeah. They are good. They're like the twin towers. Yes. And and super athletic. So, yeah, that was one team that I um, had noted as well. And I think that, I think coming out of their, I mean, obviously, I think they're going to run away with the MWC conference. Yeah. Um, and I think coming into the tournament, they should get a much higher seed. I think last year they were they Eight either or had nine, the, I think, right? Yeah. Or maybe even lower. It could have been the seven or I think it was the yeah. seven or the ten seed because they were matched That's up right. against Texas. Yeah. If my memory uh, serves yeah. me correct, but yeah, I'm excited. I would like to see them get, um, you know, even as high as like a four or mm-hmm. a three or a four seed, depending on how they play out the rest of the season, but. Yeah. 
I think they're sitting at one loss right now and eighteen and one. Yeah, so they they're looking dominant. I'm excited yeah. for them. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do um, Super Tuesday. I guess uh, there's some big games on Tuesday. Super Tuesday, obviously. So won't you go ahead and um, you know give us an upset pick or just the pick from the Super Tuesday games that you see coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to go with, you have number nine, Kansas, at playing at Texas. Uh, Kansas has lost two of their last six, um, and then they have a big matchup coming up tomorrow, uh, which is going to be Saturday on the 26th, um, and that is going to be at Kentucky. So they're going at Kentucky, and then they're going to travel to Texas and play at Texas on Tuesday. Um, I'm picking Texas with the upset here. Uh, they're definitely not playing well, Texas. Uh, they've lost four of their last six, but they, I think just, I feel like this is a must-win situation for them. Um, I feel like they, yeah, I, I just have a feeling, you know, go with your yeah. go with your gut, go with your feeling. I think Texas pulls the upset here. Uh, Kansas has looked a little bit shaky over the last couple of weeks, um, losing those two games, so I, I'm going to go Texas on this one. How about you? Yeah, I was looking at it. There's, there's not, there aren't too many... You know, games where it looks like an upset could be a possibility. So right. I'm just going to stick with my hometown. Here we go. And I'm probably way off. They're probably going to lose by 20. But I have to make a pick. And so this is going to be my pick. I'm just in Ohio State beating Michigan just because I will always pick us to beat Michigan. It there doesn't you. matter if they're playing chess. Um, but Ohio State's lost five straight games. They are better than that. Michigan is 18 and 1. They lost last week, they survived. Against Minnesota, right. I said Northwestern earlier. I looked at it. They beat Northwestern by 20 yeah. last week, okay. I believe. It was Minnesota the other night. Um, and I just – I look at it like Ohio State averages more points per game than Michigan by four. You know, they're averaging 75. Michigan averages 71. It's the defense that's been failing Ohio State. And usually Chris Holtman, you know, last year the defense was solid. I think he'll finally get them going on defense, you know. So just looking at all the comparisons, they, they average more assists. You know, they average the same amount of steals as Michigan. So I'm like, they're, they're, they look like they should be just as talented as Michigan. They yep. have just been in this rut. And yep. they're obviously losing five straight. They're going to have to stop it at some point. What what better night to stop a five-game losing streak than to your arch rivals at their place? You know, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Buckeyes to get that upset, even though I'm probably going to be off. It's probably going to be wrong. Yeah. But... That's have to good. pick one, so I'm going to Ohio State to beat Michigan and hopefully turn on, turn around their season and get get rolling. All right, there you go. You heard it here first on the Cash Scouts podcast. <laughs> Ohio State going on the road at number five, Michigan, and Anthony Bills is calling the upset. So keep an eye on that one on Tuesday. Uh, if you guys want to make some picks as well, who you think is going to get upset on Super Tuesday, um, go ahead and uh, send us a pick in the email. We'll give you a shout out, or uh, just we're going to post on Instagram as well. So. Uh, comment on there and we'd love to see what you guys are thinking and that is it we're going to wrap up for episode four of the couch scouts podcast thank you again so much for tuning in Uh, again if you want to reach out to us you can find us on instagram go ahead and give us a follow we are the couch scouts pod on instagram and if you want some segments that you want to be hearing or if you want to jump on the podcast and be a guest go ahead and contact us at the pod at gmail.com anthony why don't you go ahead and remind the listeners where they can find you and maybe give us a preview again for what our next episode will be 
All right, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Anthony D. Bills, Twitter at that underscore dude underscore AB. And uh, yeah, so next week we'll be touching on pretty much the Super Bowl, you know, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll, we'll recap on, you know, our Super Tuesday picks maybe and maybe a little bit more of NBA and college basketball, but it's going to be a heavy Super Bowl edition. Patriots, Rams, Super Bowl 53. Can't wait. See you next week.